If you're like me, you know that mental toughness is the secret to an athlete's success in sports and life. But you also see that there are huge issues starting to emerge. Like, why do so many athletes lack the mental toughness they need to succeed in their sport? Or, why is it that so few athletes make it to the collegiate level, let alone the pros? Or even, how dumb is it that as many as 60% of college athletes quit their sport before their eligibility is done? These are some of the blaring questions that we as athletes, coaches, teams, and sports parents all face today. This podcast will show you how true competitors like us here in Maynard Leadership's Grit Nation are waging war on average. And we aren't cheating by tapping into the power of the mental game. Follow this podcast while I expose the shocking methods and secrets I am using to help athletes master their mental game and push past average to that next level and stay there. Here's to the new tactics without all those old rusty psychology shackles. My name is Desi and welcome to Sports Grid Secrets by Manor Leadership. What's up everybody here at Sports Grid Nation. We had so much fun last time. We are back again. We're bringing the one and only Bobby Grassi with us back today just because we just had so much fun. And uh, we also brought along another good friend, uh, Dave Veres. He is a College baseball player had a had a couple of shots and also a, a longtime sports parent. So we are going to dive into the sports parenting aspect today. Some good, some bad, some ugly, and some really good. So we're going to start right off. We're going to ask Dave to tell us a little bit about himself. Tell us a little about his story and uh, his take on sports parenting. Dave, say hello. Hello. Hey, thank you so much, Desi. Bobby, appreciate the opportunity to come here and talk to y'all and. Um, Excited, excited to be here, excited to kind of share my story and then a lot of the trials and tribulations of being a parent and then also, I'll say, coaching some parents along the way too. Um, grew up in Heartland, Michigan. Um, I'd say I had a few years living in the metro Detroit area or whatever, but my folks decided they wanted to get us out to a much better spot, get out of the Dearborn Southfield area, and we moved to Heartland. Would have been third grade for me, so late 70s or so. Um, Went to Heartland before Heartland is what it is now, at least from you know a powerhouse in Michigan and many sports across the board. Yeah. Uh, so I, I that's I say I get a little bit of the luxury of saying I'm from Heartland because people think it's it's awesome and it was and it is, but Heartland wasn't that they, back then. They just won, didn't they? They they've won so much. It's it's been insane. But, but I mean that was kind of Brighton or okay. a lot of the yeah. Ann Arbor schools or whatever yeah. when we were all growing up. Um, was lucky enough to play, you know, many sports. Basketball and baseball were probably my two, you know, through high school, mostly because I was six to 155 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I, love it. I didn't, I didn't fit on the football field, you know, short of, you know, one time getting lit up over in a crossing pattern over the middle. But I'll tell my therapist about that one later. But, um, but yeah, so I had, a, had an awesome time growing up in Heartland. Uh, nice small town, you know, I'll say like the, the whole, you know, storybook I'll say kind of upbringing or whatever yeah. just growing up in a small town everyone knows everyone so many great things um and really started to see some success you know I'll say it was a I was a good basketball player that was my first love and if I had to decide when I was 10 11 years old that would have been it yeah but I wouldn't have wouldn't have been able to achieve a lot of things that I was blessed enough to achieve after that so really kind of drew my attention to baseball saw a lot of success uh from that was uh, blessed enough to be you know have good size good height you know some decent tools or whatever but again Heartland being very rural didn't get a lot of looks you know it was a lot of um, me having to reach out go to go to do um, a different whether it was major league scouting bureaus or the Tigers that have a trout at eastern Michigan or whatever yeah. it might be 
Um, and, you know, so it was things like that to try and get my name out, as well as when we were growing up, a lot of the travel teams, there weren't very many. There was the Grassy program in Flint. There was Jansen Refrigeration down in, yeah. you know, in downtown in the metro Detroit area. There was only a handful of really good programs, and I wasn't good enough to play on any of those. Um, but was you know, decent enough to, you know, play on other teams, play against those teams. And that's kind of what stirred a lot of looks for me and mm-hmm. you know, went through high school, finished up, you know, through my senior year. The only offer I had going into my senior year was from Glen Oaks Community College. And um, that was from a team that I was playing for, uh, for in Lansing and wanted to gamble on myself. I was going to go in as a pitcher, even though I wasn't really much of a good pitcher. <laughs> uh, and then so went through my senior year, you know, talking to a lot of teams, having some opportunities, but no one really put an offer out there until – I think I want to say if it wasn't the day I graduated, within a day or so, Central Michigan put the first offer on the table okay. to come out there. And at the time, if I'm, my math's right, um, well, I know we'll probably dive into a lot of that stuff later, but um, if the math's right behind it, it was maybe, maybe a you know 10% scholarship at best. You know, it was nothing. They were going to buy you a book. Pretty honestly, I think, I think that's all it was, was books. No joke. And not that I would have needed them, but that's a whole other issue. Um, but uh, not because I'm smart. But... Um, but yeah, it, so it, it I was all set to sign with them because that was my dream school. And then we had districts coming up, and we were playing Mount Morris in Fenton. Yep. And Coach Burtis always has a great team, always had a great team. We're playing them, and they had some of the best athletes, definitely in the area, one of whom is arguably one of the best ones to ever come out of Genesee County and Scott Winterly. Okay. And there were some teams there that were watching him. They weren't there to watch me. They were there watching him. I didn't have a great game. I think if I'm trying to recall, it's maybe like one for three, you know, did some things, whatever. But as I'm walking off the field, the Michigan State coach grabs me and says, hey, have you signed? Where else are you looking? What else is going on? You know, who else are you talking to? And State was never on my radar. Huge You're Michigan right. fan growing up. I'm what? Like, yeah. Sure. Well, this, yeah. Is, this, is, this, is this East Lansing? Where's East Lansing? I've never been there. Green and white. God, that makes, you know, whatever. But, um, but yeah, I was walking off the field. And um, within a day or so, he's like, don't sign. You're going to hear from our coach because I guess State at that time had either lost another player to the draft or someone didn't come in, something okay. like that. But yeah. they had an offer. And so I go within about 48 hours from thinking, okay, I'm signing at Central to I got a chance to play Big Ten baseball. You got a decision to make. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, everything kind of worked out the way that it needed to. It was all part of God's plan and, you know, feel awesome about just that opportunity and where it took me. And, again, I was the benefactor of not being someone that they were looking at that I did something. Yeah. That caught their eye. But that's all it takes is that one game, one Absolutely. shot, whatever. So as far as Heartland goes, that was it. Went to Michigan State and, you know, was a, a, not as not a very highly recruited guy. Uh, struggled, struggled my fall year to the point where I think we we're two practices in and uh, one of our former hitting coaches, you know, he wore number seven, which was my number. Okay. I'm like, hey, any chance I can get number seven? He's like, son, you're going to be lucky if you even see the field. You'd be lucky if you get a hit in the Big Ten, let alone play in the Big Ten. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So so that, you know, fueled my flyer. Got redshirted my freshman year. And then, you know, just through a lot of different paths and everything else, went from being just a utility player without a starting job. Had a uh, teammate who caught a fastball on his wrist two days before we went on our spring break. So I went from being second or third string, maybe as an infielder, to I'm the backup guy. Very first game. Again, just a lot of great dominoes. But very first game, I think we were playing UMass at the time. Uh, first baseman goes to stretch, pulls his hammy. Mm. Well, and I was the guy sitting on the bench, always had my glove on, just nervous energy ready and everything. To ready to roll. Yeah. So they moved the third baseman over to first, dropped me in the game. 
and was blessed enough to never come out after that. So, so it was just a lot of great things of having myself ready, being ready, yeah. you know, and not that I, not that I was great cause I struggled through all that stuff, but you know, coach believed in me. He knew that I was ready. He knew that I was there to play. And sounds like you were a master of opportunity. Uh, I was, I was, I was a benefactor of opportunity, yeah. but yeah, I, I like the, uh, the idea of being a master of it, but, uh, I think I just tried making myself ready for it to where if an, if a chance came up, I had to be ready for it, yeah. man. I had to, cause I wasn't as talented. I wasn't as gifted, but, um, had to be ready and had to put myself in a good position and everything kind of worked out the way that needed love, to. What I love about that day when you said that there was so many times kids aren't really ready for that shot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about even as you and I as coaches is just because you're not playing now. Mm-hmm. Be ready and always be ready for if you get that opportunity, seize the most of that opportunity. And that's what's cool. I mean, your story is amazing because here you are, kind of similar to me, but in a sense that nobody really gave you a lot of attention. But the minute you got it, it was like, bang, I'm not coming out. Right now. You saw your opportunity. That's yeah. awesome. Right now. And the cool thing, the cool, just to maybe finish that up too, the cool thing about it was, again, not being, you know, highly recruited and kind of always feeling like I had to prove myself. Yeah. I think we all ever, you know, any, I think any good athlete, any good engineer anything you always kind of have that edge. Always chip, absolutely right? you got you got to play with that chip shoulder. but you know the, the cool thing was you know there was always just a lot of opportunities that came out of that it was more from a personal standpoint of every year especially at michigan state not michigan michigan's on a whole nother level now with what they did this year but um at michigan state they're always bringing in all state guys yeah. guys who got drafted yeah. you know guys who were much better athletes than me so it had to be the same thing yeah. i always had to make myself ready always had to keep myself healthy mm-hmm. always had to do those types of things uh, and it wasn't a woe was me thing. It was just a, this is what I want to do. If my goal in life is to play professional base, I've got to do this stuff. Yeah. Got to. So, again, just a lot of a lot of cool things. I used to have one of my coaches at Eastern Michigan. <clears throat> and for those of you listening, you can't see what I'm about to do. But he used to say that you are one snap away from becoming the everyday guy, mm-hmm. the every play guy. And he used to just go and snap his fingers like that. He'd mm-hmm. be like, Maynard. Mm-hmm. And be like, oh yeah, you know that always helped me. Mm-hmm. It was like, I mean, unfortunately, somebody has to get hurt in order for that to happen. <laughs> sure, you know. But I mean, there's other things that happen. I mean, you know, grades, whatever, stupid decisions outside of football. But it, so many of you, parents, athletes, and everything, they don't know mm-hmm. how close they really are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just working with one this past football season. And, you know, and he was—he's a junior, and he was just, you know, kind of pretty angry. He wasn't a starter, mm-hmm. but I mean, he was. Like, the sixth guy in on that offensive line. And I just kept telling Every time I talked to him, I'd be like, man, you're just one snap away. One snap away. And then, all of a sudden, one pra- one practice, one of the starters got hurt, he's in. Yeah. You know? And it's just it. so many of those opportunities that if you're not ready, they will pass you by in the blink of an eye and you won't even realize it. The thing I love about that too, Des, is, is there's the other side of that as well, which you're one snap away from losing your job to someone uh-huh, else too. Absolutely. And keeping that edge, mm-hmm. and, or having that edge and keeping that, just how critical that is. Yes. And I think so many things on that translate, not only from the sports field, but just through mm-hmm. jobs, through life, Everything. through opportunities, whatever. And, yeah. you know, the, I think some of the best advice I got early on, and it was probably from Ted Mahan, who I just think the world of. I mean, he was such a huge influence on me. I used to go me. to his TNT camps. Oh, just a huge influence on me. And, and Ted Mahan like, was the coach of the Grassy baseball team, was he's talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Ted, Ted was just so phenomenal around that. And, you know, every day you're getting better or you're getting worse. Yeah. And, and, and that's that. it. And that was just one of the things that always stuck with me. Yep. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, again, so many great little snippets of, you know, yeah. I think I was with Ted uh, for three years at Michigan State, and I can probably 
accumulate, you know, how many hours of extra this and extra that, how much time he poured into me. And you can really kind of sum it up in about four or five different things over three years. And just the importance of those little nuggets that he kind of planted along the way. I know I still pick on Teddy because he he says, yeah, you can come to state after my Mm -hmm. regionals. He goes, but you got to gain 30 pounds. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, that's not going to happen. I went on a 7,000 calorie diet for two weeks. 30, that's nothing. Oh, yeah. I gained 100. That's a lunch. He gave me a month month to gain 30 pounds. Okay, that's cool. I couldn't do it. I still love Teddy. So I have two sports parents here with me today. So that's what we're going to focus on today. That's a great story, Dave. I love it. Some great little nuggets of gold there. I call them like tweetables or whatever you want yeah. to call it. Um, so let's start with uh, with Bobby here and uh, tell us a little bit about your sports parenting experience. What's been like the hardest day as a sports parent ever? And then what's been like the greatest day as a sports parent? Well, my worst day ever as a sports parent was actually when I was coaching my son. I can tell you we were playing in a tournament, ironically, in Hardland. And my son leads off the game, and I get so amped up. I, I thought when my son was eight or nine, like I was playing the game. Like <laughs> yeah. I really thought uh-huh. I was living. I really yeah. thought I was living my life through him. You're like so everything that I did accomplish was, was all about him, right? <laughs> he 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 hits a shot in the gap, and I mean I, I I'll get I'll, I'm still bothered to this day of my response. But he he's running around second, and I'm and I'm waving him to third, and he hesitates. And he gets thrown out at third. Oh. And he didn't know if I was screaming at him to stay at second. So my emotion, my son didn't even realize. I lit him up to the point where he, he just quit. And and I the good news is, is he recovered from that moment. <laughs> but but the, what I realized after that game was, I think Cal Ripken wrote something in the book. And somebody, somebody gave me the words. I can't remember if it was Dave or Matt Weld. Somebody said, hey. You know, Cal Ripken coached his kid, too. But the cool thing is, is he stopped coaching his kid when the game was over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, he was a dad when the game left. Yeah. And so I, I, I said, you know what? I was on my kid. He made a mistake. I, I was like, it was, it was the worst thing in the world. And I didn't treat him as just as another player. Mm-hmm. I treated him like he's my kid, right? And I embarrassed myself to the point where that was the lowest point ever of my coaching career. And I vowed at that moment never, ever, ever to be a jerk to him again to just treat him like he's just a player, not your son. So that was kind of a tough moment, but yeah. I recovered. He recovered. So do you think that was like, do you think that came from a mixture of dad coach rather than keeping those separate? Totally, totally. And I think too many times we try to, you know, we always want what's better for our kids than us. Yeah. But I think early on, especially in coaching, I think we think we're playing. Yeah, and we're absolutely. not. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not. I think we make it about us. Mm-hmm. And really, I'm I'm irrelevant. But I, I thought I was relevant. Yeah. Right? It feels, but, like, but it. feels like it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I realized I, I just, I, I vowed to not be that guy mm-hmm. again. And I, and that's kind of changed my life, you know? One of those, just for some reason, the picture popped in my head. And you go to a wrestling tournament. Mm-hmm. And you get the dads that are on their knees, on the mat. <laughs> Going literally going through the dad is usually sweating more than the kid, right? And let's not forget the kid's like seven. on the mat. Yeah, right? kid's the kid's like, like seven. seven years old, right? And it's like we need to have chat, <laughs> you know? It's like you know how let's let's separate dad coach, right? And so I think that was a, I think that's a, a really good lesson for a lot of dads out there who are also coaching even moms, kids. yeah, yeah, and, and moms with the same thing is you know emotions with dads, I think it's worse than moms. Mm-hmm. Honestly, a lot of times because 
we feel it. Mm-hmm. It's I don't even I don't know. It's like it's like an X factor. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. It's like when he hit that shot in the gap, you literally just felt like you hit it. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's the crazy thing about you know your kid is you know we joke about when you have accomplished something in life, eh? You, you just kind of yeah, right. When your right, kid cool. does it, good or bad, it's like times a hundred. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the hardest part of keeping that emotion in check. You know, mm-hmm. I've also had my son hit some game winning hits, and I'm going crazy, and you know, and I got to keep that in check. But I think that's the hardest part, though, as a coach slash parent is keeping your own emotions in check and realizing it's about the kid. Absolutely. You know, so. Absolutely. Dave, tell us about your best day as a sports parent. Best day? Best day <laughs> oh, ever man. as a sports parent. Um, we did. We had, we had oh, a little horrible one there. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. We'll go yeah, back to good. I, I think, <laughs> again, I think there's some, some great lessons. If, if it's a, as a parent for my own boys, it's, it's the same type of thing. It's whenever they, you know, you get to see them go from – liking what they're doing to, you know, to putting some work in, to yeah. seeing the success off of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's those types of moments that just yeah. really stick out where it's like, you know, because those were just impactful things mm. from a personal standpoint too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think all, all the best ones kind of come from that type of, those types of yeah. things. And I think, you know, I, I've, I've tried to, you know, you, you've touched on something, Bobby, that really hit home for me was tried separating things. Of, okay, there's in the dugout, dad. Oh, know, yeah. yeah, now we're in the car dad you know and mm-hmm. I cross that line plenty of times don't get me wrong but I always tried to separate those types of things of you know trying not to talk about the game waiting for him to ask questions yeah. uh, I'd always start something out like it always you know it'd be, it'd be some kind of a conversation of, hey, if you, I just gotta say one thing yeah I'm far from perfect with it I right? call that the infamous quote-unquote car ride home yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 you know and now it happens over yeah. FaceTime or text or whatever yeah sometimes it still happens in the car ride and it was usually that exact yeah. comment oh yeah you know, it was really good game can I just say one thing yeah yes you know yeah. well then, or he had all the time or he'll ask a question and be like all right am I answered as a coach or am I answering as your dad and that's a that's and, a great comeback. And that though, was that was athlete. one. And again, that was one thing that I think that I prided myself on it. And I, no matter which way he'd said, I'd always give him the other side too. Yeah, right? I started yeah, with yeah. as a dad. Well, we'll start with this. Couldn't be more proud of you, man. Love the fact you're out there having yeah. fun, man. You're a great teammate. You're a coachable kid. But what the hell were you thinking, right. guy on second base? Right. Ball hits your yeah. right, and you t- what are you doing? Yeah, you know, that's so coach. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's coach. so it's you know it's it's the waffling back and forth. But you know, I, um, the the boys aren't. I don't think they're scarred too bad, yeah. you know. But uh, so I'll, I'll know in about ten years if they're model citizens. Well, or, I, I know his boys. His boys are fine. Or serial killers. They're going to be one of the two. They're going to be one of the two. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think any of the best days as a parent, it kind of goes along with stuff like that. Or whenever they go to play another sport, and another coach gets to coach them. Yeah. And then you know you get great feedback from them as far as what they liked about you as a coach, or the fact that you know okay they're a good coachable kid. You know, you just yeah. try and get them ready for life. Because who doesn't yeah. want their kid to grow up and reach the highest level of whatever profession they want to? Yeah. And if it's sports, it's to be a pro athlete, sign the multi-million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. We might know one person in our life that that happens for. Right. You know, so I mean, so a lot of it just is all of the other ancillary things of how am I getting them ready for life? And if yeah. I'm doing that, okay, then, you know, again, that's that'll be a pretty good pretty good thing. And I think we would on. all three agree that mm-hmm. sports are the perfect avenue for preparation Couldn't agree more. for life. Couldn't agree more. That's it. Couldn't for mine, so my dad's not here to answer this question, but I'm pretty sure that I know what his answer would be. So his best day as a sports parent was I had a meeting with the New Orleans Saints. 
It was that we were, I was playing in the Valero Cactus Bowl down in Texas. Everybody went down there. Great week down in Texas. It was January, so it was freezing cold up here in Michigan. Nice down in Texas. And the meeting lasted probably all of about seven minutes. And I remember my dad asking me, he's like, what did, what did they ask you? What did you guys talk about? What did, and he, I said, he asked me if I had been in any trouble. I was like, no. He's like, well, what about, you got any kids? No. Are you married? No. Um, do you have any illegitimate kids? <laughs> no. Uh, it's an odd you, question to get at 21, 23. Yeah. Have you been in trouble with the law? No. Do you have any misdemeanors? Like he kept prodding. No. Yeah. You know, he's like, what, how, how did school go? Like, good. I'm graduated in May. You know, um, you know, how is, what's your future going to look like? What it was like, it really, it came down to absolutely nothing about football. Mm -hmm. It was all about character. Mm -hmm. And I, as I told my dad, like, you could literally just see my dad light up. And I'm like, it was really confusing to me because I'm like, no, he didn't ask me anything about football, Dad. <laughs> but you could tell it was like, like the affirmation of me just being a decent human being mm -hmm. in the end. That were like all of my answers were no to this guy who was trying to find a problem. Mm -hmm. He was trying to, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Basically, is what he just should have led with. Right on. Um, and I would have said, no, I'm 20 pounds too light. And, Attempt too slow. <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and just to see my dad's face and his body posture was really, it's like I didn't understand it. I do now, mm -hmm. you know, but I didn't understand it at the time. When I look back, I'm thinking, okay, yep, I get it now. It's clicking. Life was more than sports. It was more yeah. than football, you know, and that, that was really kind of, I started to understand things after he passed and I started really reflecting on everything that I'd been through with him and sports and everything. Um, and that, that was the day that popped out to me mm -hmm. yeah. immediately. Um, That's got to make you feel great too then. It, it, it did. Making you know, dad proud like that. That's awesome. At the time it was like, but I didn't, you know, I didn't sign. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get the, you know, but that, like you said, there's always that chip sure. there that, that makes you want to go further. So let's ask you, let's ask, let's go this route. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think is, the good, let's start with that. What do you think is the good piece of sports parenting today? And you're, you've been coaching a, a while now, right? Yep. A long time. And um, what are some of the best things that you've experienced, ran into, observed with sports parenting? It doesn't have to be just baseball. It can be, wow. you know? Yeah, and, and, and I think with all, with whatever path, that, I'm sure we'll both go down, Bobby. You know, there's, it seems like there's there's the strength and there's the positive of it, yeah. and then it can quickly become the negative Very. of it. I think that, you know, if it's, whether it's baseball or any sport, I think, you know, one of the things that's, that I find I'm so fascinated with is one, the level of specialization that there is in most sports right yeah. now and the commitment that the parents have to getting their kids that type of, yes. of experience and expertise. Um, I think the difficulty in that is it's difficult for a kid to play multiple sports now because if they want to be good at football, how do you not? invest in all of that and then but the research still shows the opposite amen i'm right there with you and i think mm -hmm. you're starting to see it kind of come back full circle yeah. where more and more coaches and teams in any sport in college are they're looking for the multi-sport athlete because they don't want them to be so one-dimensional yep. let's say yeah, you talked oh. to the michigan program mm -hmm. a minute ago and that was his biggest thing is travel baseball guys he stopped he's not really he doesn't want those guys mm -hmm. he's looking for the three sport athletes or two sport yeah. athletes. Like right on. Said, yeah. Right on. Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the special, the, the amount of time and attention that parents are putting towards that, the amount of funding that they're putting towards it, yeah. it's, it's absolutely awesome. Uh, I'm sure we'll touch on the sin of all of those different types <laughs> of things along the way, but 
Um, I think that so much of that plays into how the game is developing. The games are developing so much from a talent standpoint. Yeah. From a talent perspective, I think you know we start to lose some things when it comes to well, just the game experience and working their way through types of things because you're you know bringing more athletes in than yeah than let's say ball play, football players who's yep. got a football mentality versus man they're big and they're fast and they you know this type right. of agility whatever yep. but yeah for me I'd, I'd say it's it's the amount of specialization that's there and the amount of time and attention that parents put in and around that I couldn't agree more I think that's the I, th- I think there's just such a commitment from the parents to make sure you know whatever their kid wants, we kind of all try to give it to them, you know? Yeah. We're back in the heyday. Our parents would go, go play with your neighborhood friends. Yeah. You know, and there was no such thing as all this training. Dave and I joke about it. Probably you does is we, we wish we had the training that these kids. Oh, had. You know, absolutely. I mean, out at, first of all, we were doing it in our basement on a tarp, but without training, yeah. but I, you know, that's, what's amazing is these kids are just faster, stronger, better, but it's because of the advanced training. So let me ask you this, and this can kind of go to both of you. What do you think are, are all of the reasons for that commitment, do they all come from a good place? <laughs> Probably not. I would love to say everything was perfect. I would say, let's just agree to say 70 in a good place, 30% probably not. I think for yeah. the most part, most parents, you know, at least for me, I've always wanted to put my kid in the better situation than I ever had. Um, but I also think still, like I said, when I coached my kid, you're kind of, you got a little ego. Hey, that's my kid. You're trying to make sure yeah. your kid comes to something mm-hmm. that maybe you couldn't have, you know? Right. Um, so I'd say for me, yeah, I would say, I would say to, from parents that I've coached as long let me, let me rephrase that. As long as the parents were getting the results they wanted, it was always a good place. Yes. The minute they yes. didn't get the results they great wanted, point. it came from a bad place. Mm-hmm. Great point. Why am I spending all this yes, money on right, this? Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So they were always great when they were started. Yeah. That's when you, when you didn't play them. You know? Do you think that all of that commitment and the funds and the time and everything how does that play out in the kid? Do you think that affects the kid, good or bad? How do you think that affects the kid? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it, it's it's yes to both. I mean, I think it, it, it affects them very good in the, in the fact that, man, I'm getting to do something I really like. Yeah. My parents are investing in me. And I think that there's a lot of pressure that they'll feel over time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, uh, you know, even I, I just finished coaching 16U baseball, so I'm, you know, I'll say I'm done, but I'm, I'm sure I'll get roped in somehow. <laughs> but, um it's, it's neat to see how much, you know, the parents are really tying into that and how much success that they're seeing. But you also start to see there's some kids who just don't like the game anymore. Yeah. And it's difficult for them to admit it and come out and say that. And right. I mean, from a personal standpoint, I witnessed it with my youngest this past year. And it was tough that, you know, it was the first time every year at the end of the, at the end of the summer, always asked them, you know, both of the guys, but always asked them, hey, you still good? You still want to play? You know, and this is the one year I didn't. Like, you assumed it kind of. I just assumed it. It was, yeah. okay, he's out on the field with all of his buddies. You know, yeah. He's having a great time. He was a great teammate. Man, right. I thought he learned more about life than maybe stuff on the field last year. And it was awesome. But then we get to around the December time frame, and he's like, I don't know if I really want to play. And same type of thing. I was so proud of the fact that, hey, man, he wasn't afraid to stand up and say what he wanted. Yeah. But then quickly got into dad mode. It's like, okay, we got to find something to do, man. You right. know? So, um, yeah, so, I mean, I think that. You, you kind of witness things on both ends with all that, but yeah, I mean, that's a great example right yeah. there, honestly. Yeah, it was really, and, but I, to, to pull it back to the you know to the parenting side, you just hope that the kids can be in a position where they can one express what they want to do, but you know it's okay to say you don't like something, but as long as you're spinning into something positive, yeah. it's okay. I think as the parent, you've got to be okay hearing that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the, the only thing though that you worry about when kids do that is, and I think it's tied into a lot, and I know. You know, maybe my son's one of them. Is when they just face that adversity, though, yeah. so it's, it's not that they don't love it anymore. They don't love 
they don't love not being the man anymore. The heart. So that's the fine line as a parent. You're mm. trying to distinguish, distinguish. Are you just not wanting to play because you're not going to start? Absolutely. Or are you not wanting to play because you don't love the game? Because there's two different things. Concept. Yeah, is your ego yeah. hurt? Or you? I mean, exactly. which one is it? Yeah. You know? Too many times we all... A lot of people, everyone, I mean, look in life. People do it now. Oh, they yes. take the easy way out mm -hmm. yes. and just say, oh, the I just don't love it anymore. Yep. But, but, you know, we talked about last podcast, pain or discipline or pain or regret. And, yeah. and you know, only the kid can answer that yep. because if they Absolutely. quit, it's on them. But, you, you, know, just struck, you just struck a chord. With, uh, to pull it back to the conversation with my youngest, that was one of the things that really stuck out for me that it was the right decision of he saw that he wasn't on the field as much as, as, as he used to be in the past. Mm -hmm. And his whole thing was, I just don't have it in. I just, I'm, I don't want to put that kind of effort in to get to that point. Yeah. So that's where it got to, you know. Cool. Hey, then he, then he's making the right decision. Correct. You know. So, so from that vantage point, totally agree with you, and could, you know, really couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. But that's a critical aspect. If it was just, I want to quit because I don't like it, or I quit because I'm, I'm not playing. It's like, come on, man. There's, right. there's a better way to go yeah, about yeah. this. For that, was, that was, that was for me, honestly. Third grade, my first year, full. I, I was big. Mm -hmm. Shocking. Mm -hmm. So I had to play with fifth graders. Mm -hmm. It was my first year, full contact, everything. I'd never played flag football, nothing. Third grade was like, full goal, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Right? And we came back, we'd come back from Tennessee. You know, in the first, back then, you'd do three or four days of just helmets. Right? So, it, you know, it's tough. Football is football, whatever. Um, and then day four came with full pads. That was a whole new world. <laughs> I mean, I got, I got destroyed. Right? I mean, I was completely demolished, and I felt like no one. Mm -hmm. Right? I felt like I was... I went home and I was like, I, I, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know, Dad. I, I, I was, I remember he was like, you can quit, but if you quit, you know, we gotta take our equipment and we're gonna go talk to the coaches face to face tomorrow, tell them you're quitting and why you're quitting. And he goes, oh, well, why are you quitting? I couldn't come up with an answer, you know. <laughs> you know, I was too scared to basically, honestly, scared is the right word to say, to tell him it's hard and I won't do it anymore. Right. Or, I, you know, I wasn't big, the big guy anymore or whatever, yeah. Um, and so I continued on. And, I mean, look, at, if he didn't have that conversation with me as a third grader, mm -hmm. I mean, I went 15 more years of football. Mm -hmm. That all would have been missed without that single conversation. Right. And it's like, wow. You know, and how many uh, athletes. Uh, conversation. One uh, conversation. conversation. And, that, and I mean, that was just the, I mean, that was like the first little pillar of the foundation. Now, what's crazy was your, your dad had probably no idea that that conversation had that big of an impact, but it did. And yeah, too I many mean, times we don't have those. Yeah, absolutely. Those and, and my point, going back to your point, Bobby, is how many of those conversations go differently? How many of the, those parents just go, yeah, I understand, buddy. Go ahead and quit. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. I understand it's tough. You know, my wife yeah. and I, we make this thing with my kids. My daughter, she's kind of in between. Do I want to do travel soccer right now or what? And she's, she committed. But we before they start a sport, the first thing we say is, okay, you want to do this. We are actually don't think you really want to do this. However, you say you want to do it, right? Yeah. So just so you know, the minute you make this decision, you're committed for the full year. You're not you're not gonna do this and yeah. and not go to practice. Like if there's ten practices, you're going to practice. Like you're doing this. So sure enough, we're halfway through the season already. What does my daughter want to do? She does want to quit. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing is, is she knows she can't. Yeah. And so, so so we still take her and she but here's the thing, it's all about I have no problem quitting 
after you've given it an honest shot for the full year. I don't think you this, say I this sport's not this for quitting. Mm-hmm. You know, no, I because you finished your you through. Yeah, you yeah. finished your agreement yes. and you're done. But yeah, but so many times, like you know, Johnny does. My daughter, she's playing JV basketball. You know, and and they had a Saturday morning practice after they just went to Saginaw and got home at ten o'clock. She goes, "It's at seven thirty in the morning. Can it, can I call in sick?" I'm like, "No, call in." Sick. Yeah, that was funny. She yeah. said this, so if she's listening, to this she'll kill me. But but it's factual. I said, "No, you have to go." But Dad, I don't feel well. I said, "Do you have a fever?" No, you're going. Woke her up, 7 o'clock in the morning, she goes there. Now she was happy she went. Yeah. But I think too many times, like you said, it's it's about commitment. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So, it is. Absolutely. Even if you don't want to do it for a year, you got to finish. That's right. How many times that we would get back in town from a travel football game at who knows what time, 2, 3, 4 a.m. sometimes. Maybe it was a plane ride or mm-hmm. a 19-hour freaking Greyhound ride. And guess what happened at 6 a.m. the next morning? Oh. Brutal, man. The alarm's going off. There's yeah. times it was better off to literally just go nap in the locker room <laughs> until the next morning. Because you knew then mm-hmm. that you would stay out of trouble. Right. If you're in the locker no trouble can happen in the locker room. Right. Not at 3 a.m. No. Right? <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, that, that's a great point, you know. I don't feel well. Well, what doesn't feel well? <laughs> My attitude? Yeah. 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 You no? Know? Yeah, I just don't want to do it. Right. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's, it's, and I think it's that's what's cool point. about the people that grind it out. Because we talk about, I mean, we're all, now, we all do well in business and stuff like that. But there are many days I still don't want to get up. Absolutely. You know, I mean, forget sports. I mean, there is many that are like, oh, my God, I don't feel well, you know. Right. People are like, how come you don't call in sick? Because I have an obligation, mm-hmm. right? But think about the people in the real world who do call in sick, mm-hmm. but then they wonder why they can't get a break. It's no different than the athlete that quits. No, You're not even not. trying, you mm-hmm. know. So. It's great. Yeah, great I mean, that's, that's, that's the business athlete. Um, so I want to take a little bit of a turn here, and I want to talk about recruiting and the parents' aspect of recruiting, mm-hmm. kind of helping, hurting. Well, you know, what's our, our three different stories? And, I mean, that's a huge thing nowadays. And one of the things that I found when I'm dealing with my sports parents is there are so many people mm-hmm. knocking on the door. I can I'm gonna, I can make it happen for your kid. You only got to give me this many dollars. Mm-hmm. Right? Join my website. Join my database. Join my blah, 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 blah. Right? And they make all these straight-up lie, prom- lies, basically, that mm-hmm. they call promises. Um, and that's one thing that I try to help my parents navigate through. I got a handwritten letter. Mm-hmm. So did 500 other people. Right. You know? <laughs> right. So it's like, but it's a lot of tough conversations to have. So I guess just let's, you know, hear you guys' stories and your takes on recruiting, I think. Bobby, you want to go ahead and start? Sure. I mean, for me, the, the first thing I would say, the easiest way to get recruited is to have good grades. I mean, I know that sounds corny and cliche, but it's factual, right? We talked about that last we time. We did. I mean, if you have a 4.0 to 3.5, your opportunities are through the roof. Yes. Like, if you start 100%. going below that, it gets lesser and lesser. First of all, wh- where do you want to play? What type do you want to play, right? Yes. That's the first and foremost. Secondly, I do think there's a huge advantage nowadays with kids to get recruited. I think there's more opportunity. I think when you were growing up, you had to have a coach that kind of would, you know, help you and, and find showcase whatever. Now you can be at a YouTube video yeah. and you can get noticed by stuff. Right. But with that said, I just think it's, I think a lot now people, I, I think that college coaches are reaching out. The kid wants it more. 
Yeah, they'll have college-bound jocks, or you'll have these people, which worked for my son, but you'll have people wanting to do videos. Videos are fine, but really it's just an avenue to get you on YouTube, but go to the PBRs. Go to these showcase things that you want to go to, and just hope you get noticed. Even if you don't think you're the best, there might be somebody there that's looking at something. When you go to a tournament, don't just sit there and hope the coach finds you. Go seat out that coach. Mm -hmm. You know, I know a kid, I'll leave his name Lamus. I know for a fact he's playing Division II baseball, his stats weren't all that, but I can tell you his character was great. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that every tournament yeah. he was talking to a coach. Squishy he was real. getting himself noticed somehow, mm -hmm. some way. He would he would go, do you need any help carrying your bag? Whatever it is. And I think his mm -hmm. character and his effort yeah. got him more than anything. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean Dave Dave probably knows who I'm talking about, but mm -hmm. that's that would I be my that. that'd be my advice. You because know? it's one of the biggest things and I throw this word around a lot with my kids when they're talking about Scholarships and recruiting. It's one word. Intangibles. Mm -hmm. What are your intangibles? Why stats are great. Everybody's got stats, right? Look at the division one, two level, whatever. Everyone's got those stats, right? If you're in that realm of being recruited, right? What are your intangibles that make you marketable, that make your resume better? Why do I why do I take Dave over Bobby? You know, mm -hmm. when you have the same well, he's exact six foot two. And he's, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's I, also more handsome. I, no. the, the intangibles are so missed mm -hmm. by the athletes today, and and really the parents, because I noticed that it, it's a very quick trickle down effect. Sure. You know, um, I think you're I think you're striking on something that's really important there too, and I think it's missed because I don't think the players realize the importance of the intangibles. Yeah. So if when you get to college. One, what a job it is. But yes. two, you've got you've got a 40, 50-year-old coach who's putting his career in the hand of 18, 19, 20-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't want a kid he's going to have to worry about. Right. He doesn't want a kid that because they only get you, at least at the D1 level, they only get you 20 hours a week. Yeah. Well, but it's ironic that you're in about 40 to that. 50 hours a week of stuff, yeah. right, that they want to know that you've got the character, that you're working hard, that you're going to show up, you're going to go to class, you're not going to make – dumb mistakes on campus. You're not going to make them look bad. You're not going to get a coach fired because of stupid things that you do. Exactly. That's where the intangibles come into play. And I think you, st you, you hit it well, Bobby. It starts with the player going out to seek those things out. Yes. Seek the coaches out. Seek the opportunities out. Because, again, they got to know that you love the game. they yeah. got to know that you want it. Because we've all seen it. So many guys and gals get an opportunity to go play at whatever level it is in college. And they're off the team two months later. Because it's hard. Because they don't. Because yeah. it, it's a lot of work. It's a yeah. lot of effort, and you got to have that grit, that grind, that yeah. love of the game. And without all of that, man, mm. it's a quick. And that's okay because you've reached whatever level you want to reach. But yeah. you know, there's there's just so many other great great points along the way with all that. It's one of the big things that we touched on last time. One of like my pains is when you know, you, like I'm sure Harlan does it, just like Lyndon. They'll have their pain all of athletes who are signing. Yeah, you know, and. This last one, Lyndon had it, and there's 10 of them, and I'm looking at them, and I'm going, three of you will make it mm -hmm. to the second year. Mm -hmm. The other seven will, there will be some type of attrition. Well, and to pull it back, yeah, and to, pull it back to the parenting them. side, I think that, you know, getting that, whether it's a college scholarship or mm -hmm. getting a chance to play in college, that's the bib for the marathon, man. Now, yeah. it's, now it's starting. It's like... That's where I think you start to see a separation between different types of athletes yeah. where if all they want to do is get to college and they got there and then it's, okay, hey, I can kind of breathe a little bit. And then you got that other level of athlete that looks at it and says, all right, I, now I got to step on the gas because yeah. now I'm the small fish in a very large pond with other people who are 
same size, same strength, whatever, what am I going to do to separate myself and get that one chance that we were yeah. talking about but earlier? Dave, do so. you think that comes from, you know, Desi and I talked about this last week, do you think it comes from the athlete that's always kind of maybe wasn't the big fish and kind of had to mm-hmm. work their way through, or did you think that there's just people that's just in their brain where no matter what, they're just make this is their character, yeah. you know, because there's, I know many studs that they don't have the mindset to mm-hmm. go, you know, I'm the small fish, now I'm going to be the big fish. Yeah. But do you think it's just, I mean... It's an internal gear. To me, it's an internal gear that a a player has to hit. You know, I mean, what college coach, from everything that I've heard in talking to college coaches, they want starting talent in a walk-on mentality. They want the kid who comes in with that chip, that chip on their their, their their shoulder, that kid who's coming in who's just going to bust their tail and who's going to outwork everyone there. And, of course, who doesn't want... You know, like I mentioned, Winterly or Dennis Conachess or some of the other, you know, stud athletes that, you know, that we knew all growing up. Who doesn't want that that, yeah. that guy who can come in and throw 95, 96? Right. Everybody wants that. But is someone going to be able to put the time and effort in to get themselves to go from throwing 86, 87 or only hitting the ball 290 feet to mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you're really, yeah. you're really excelling? So, um, so, again, it's just one of the things that. It sticks out to me for sure. Dave, throwing out some one-liners, man. That's the bib to the marathon. Yeah, I love that one. That's good. <laughs> and then they want a starter with a walk talent with a walk-on mentality. That's those right, you need to write those down, people, because yeah. that is absolute gold right there. <laughs> absolute gold. If you were to take just those two things and apply them, you would be amazed at the results that you would Absolutely. get. Just those two little nuggets right there. Those two little one-liners. So let's circle back to this recruiting thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby, t- just tell me your experience on it, you know, as a coach, as a player, as a parent, every, everything, all of it. I think that, What's it, the good, the bad, the ugly, the hardest part of it, whatever? The hardest part to me is the expectations of the child or the parent. Mm-hmm. So they, they take it as like, oh, my God, you know, first of all, let's be real. You know, I, I've, I've talked to, I've coached many parents that think their kid's going to be a Division One athlete yeah. at age 11. And then halftime, they don't even play the sport by the time they're in high school. Yes. So Dave and my mentality, we'd always say is, if we everybody we coached, if they started on their varsity team in high school, we did a really good job coaching. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's the facts. Absolutely. The, that's the, whether you're a college player, ends up being on the kid. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, what are your grades like? Yes. What is your thing? But but I think what happens is, um, um, lost my train of thought for a minute because I went on that way. But I think I think it's, what are your expectations? You know, people look at, Oh, it's only a D2 school, or it's, oh, it's only Great a D3 point. school. Oh, it's only a junior college. You know, my kid's so much better than that. First of all, throw ego aside. Yes. You should be very proud at all if your kid plays a college sport, period. Because uh-huh. secondly, uh, and there's a lot of people that start out at JUCO that you're you're seeing on TV right now yes. in the big D1s. Yes. And most people in baseball now, they're encouraging the JUCO route. Mm-hmm. Because you're getting your prereqs done. They don't have to give you these big scholarships. And then they're finding out the kids that are really serious about it. And they're putting up good numbers in JUCO. Yeah. Yes, now as juniors, that's what Michigan did. Michigan took a lot of JUCO kids. They yeah. did all this. Mm-hmm. Now they're studs as juniors and seniors. they got to give them half a scholarship. But instead right. of instead of feeling, oh, whoa, it's me. My kid's not a D1 athlete. He might be. He just might have had a GPA of 1.9. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he might have to start out as JUCO. Yeah, right? But but either way, get them in. You know, the, My biggest thing with the recruiting is... Can the parents accept that playing a college sport is great? Yeah. No matter what, if it's D1, D2, mm-hmm. D3, that's great. That's an opportunity, agree. you know. And then the, the good is that, like I said, is I just think there's – of recruiting is that they're they're focused more on your character. So really, at the end of the day, it's not even about your stats. Whether mm-hmm. you, I mean, I know yeah. people that didn't even make 
first conference in their league, but are playing D2 baseball. Uh-huh. I know people that didn't even get honorable mention, yeah. and they're playing a college. So it's not about the stats. The good news is, is you're in total control of it. It's about your intangibles, your character. Mm-hmm. How Are you staying off social media? Are you not being a bonehead and doing vape and all this other Absolutely. stuff? And really, you're, you're in control of your destiny. That's a beautiful thing, uh-huh. you know? So... That's my take on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you hit on, on a lot of great things there, Bobby. I think that, you know, whether it's from a you know recruiting standpoint or anything else, I think that you know, a lot of times, whether it's the athlete or the parent, they have it in their mind that they're going to have Coach Backage from Michigan sitting in their living room talking to them about how they need to come here. And it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't happen that way. So I think there's that expectation as well as mm-hmm. since they have put so much time and effort and money into into their into their son or daughter that they're just going to get seen or whatever it might be. And I think there's a, a thread of truth to that, but – um, you know, as we were talking before we came in here, you know, one of the things that stuck out for me was uh, in coaching. I think it was Eleven U at the time. You know, we had a phenomenal kid, still is a great kid, um, uh, who was playing for me at the time, and his mom and dad were sinking a lot of money into him. You know, three, five, seven thousand dollars a year into specialized training and everything. And I remember his dad coming up to me and saying, "Hey, you know, think he's D one potential?" It's like, okay, well, first, it's eleven years old, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> last I checked, there's not a lot of college coaches at, D, at right. eleven and twelve U baseball, but. Um, but it's like, hey, if, if that's the concern, all right, let's look at the math behind this. Yeah. Take take your three to five to seven thousand dollars, put it in a five twenty nine plan, and you're gonna and you're gonna have more than half a college paid yeah. off because what a lot of parents don't realize is the math behind all of this. Which I can only speak to baseball. There's eleven point seven scholarships yeah. for D one baseball. They sprinkle it out amongst 35, 35 guys. So that's a third of a scholarship. Yeah. That's at best. In Michigan State's maybe a hundred grand a year or hundred grand total for four years. Yeah, it's thirty thousand dollars. Yep. You know, but but it's it's more of the the trophy of yes. you played at state or the trophy you played yes. at Eastern or you know pick a school. It's not about the school. It's just about the you know if it's the finance side behind it that you're doing it. I like to go back to some of the earlier points. I don't think we're doing it for the right reason. If it's that hey, who doesn't want to give their kid the best opportunity yeah. and put them out there where they can get in front of the right people and. You know, try and try and get them aligned yeah. with the right school. I but but the, I love but, the bath though. Yeah, like, but 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 the number one thing that you said, it's so many people, kids, parents, coaches too, get hung up on. Well, you know, they got to go to. They, it's got to be a Big Ten school. We're not sending them to a directional school. You can't go to Eastern, Western, or Central. Yeah. You, you're big. You know, you're big time D one material, and it's like if you are, the coach is going to find you. Yes, and they're going to talk to all of the other coaches in the area to say who else is there. If, you know, if your talent speaks, your talent will speak for itself. Mm-hmm. And your character will speak even louder. Mm-hmm. If you have Great them point. both, you will be found. Yes. Great you point. will be found. It, it's the point of like that. That would be the one tidbit, that one tidbit that I would want parents to know. If you have both of those aspects, right? If you have the, the talent and the character that goes with it, you'll be found. It's, it's rare that you Stop don't. Stop worrying. Yep. You don't need to go to seven high schools, mm-hmm. right? You will be found. <laughs> It happened, right? I was from little tiny Linden, okay, and I got a letter, handwritten letter from the head coach, going into my sophomore year from Oregon University, and I thought, I don't even know where Oregon is. <laughs> is that a state or city? Where is it? Yeah. Do they know me? <laughs> right, right, right. No clue to right. this day how they knew who I was in Linden, Michigan. Right. You know, that's that would be my point to a lot of parents. You know, and just the talent won't get you there. Right. You have to have the other intangibles. You have to have the mental aspect of the game. You have to have the character behind it. You have to have the grades, right? People, when people, 
Look, recruiters are going to ask other people than your family about you. Mm -hmm. If you didn't know that, I don't know how you didn't know that. Because they're going to ask other people. They're going to say, what are they like in the classroom? You know, what do they do on a Friday night? What's their girlfriend like? Mm -hmm. What's their boyfriend like? You know, how... How many how many times have they skipped class? I'm hey, and, and then on that note too, Des, just in, in coaching a couple players that are getting looks, you know, at, at yeah. the D one D two level and everything. When the when the coaches when I'm speaking to them or they're calling me asking those types of things because a lot of times they can call me but they can't call the player yep. because they're under yes. you know, below their junior year. But usually those are the questions they're yeah. asking about the parents. They're asking about the character. They're asking about the work ethic. They're asking about, hey, are they the first one to practice, the last one to leave? Because, yeah. again, they want the love of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, to pull it back from a personal standpoint, Mark Carroll, uh, Hall of Fame baseball coach out of uh, Brighton, Michigan, he was more influential and more instrumental for me getting an opportunity in yeah. college than I didn't even know. I found out many years later that okay. not only the coaches at Michigan State, but other coaches that were looking were calling because Brighton was so highly thought of and Coach Carroll – just an impeccable reputation. Yeah. They were calling him to say, well, who else in the conference should we be looking at? Yeah. And and I was blessed and lucky enough that I was one of the names that he'd mentioned. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was once or a million times. The fact that he endorsed you. Though. That was yeah, it. Yeah. But that that's the stuff that goes a long way with the coaches because the other, to, other coaches see it. You can't fake the funk, man. You can't fake no, it when you're playing can't. another team and there's not a, a scout or yeah, someone else Yeah, another one-liner. You can't fake the funk. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, write these is. down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> write them down. Give them to the marathon yeah. and you can't I'll, fake the funk. I'll, I'll, I'll text them out. It's, all good. <laughs> it's, so, it's so true, though. You know, it, it's honestly, it's it's pretty much the exact same thing in business of like what a video testimonial mm-hmm. will do for you. Right. It, it's the same concept. Look, if you're that player, that guy or girl who everyone, every coach and every player in the conference hates, mm-hmm. that's not a good thing. No. Because they're going to be, they're, like, like we've been saying, they're going to ask around. What are they like? Right. And here's another big one. Um, hockey, anything with a ball, really. What are they like when the ball's away from them? Right. What are they like on the backside of the play? You know, what are they like in the eighth inning when you're up seven nothing? Mm-hmm. What are they? You know, what are what they like they... when you're down seven nothing? Exactly. Yeah. It, right. Those yeah. are the type. You know, how do they lose? Everybody likes winning. Winning's easy, mm-hmm. right? What are they like when they lose? Those are the kind of things that you know. That those are the conversations I have with a lot of my athletes and my parents, and they're like, "But what database?" Right. Like, it's right. irrelevant. Yeah, like, there's, there's no Yelp rating for sure. players, man. Pick it just one, doesn't just happen. Pick one, yeah. whatever. It doesn't right. matter. It's all of those things is really – and it, it opens a lot of their eyes because it's 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 SOS. It's shiny object syndrome. It is. It's it's the next tool that I can throw money at and mm-hmm. hopefully get what I want. You know, and that – and what it really – what Bobby, what you kept, keep saying is it comes back to the kid. Mm-hmm. It's the kid. It, it comes back to the kid and what – the foundation that's been built by the parents and the coaches and the kid that has developed. It's really, and that is what the recruiters are trying to peel back the onion on and find out the truth. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have to have certain physical attributes and talents and stats and all that good stuff, right? There's different, and for the different sports, we talked about this a little bit at the beginning. Yep. I mean, for a Division One football player, let's just say a quarterback, right? If you're not 6'3", 6'4", 200 pounds, you're probably not Division One quarterback material, mm-hmm. right? And then there's probably also a certain speed that has to go with that that profile. 
right? Now, obviously, there's outcasts and all of that stuff, right? And different sports are different ways. But it's back to Bobby's point. There is a perfect fit for every aspiring college athlete. Totally. Mm -hmm. There's a perfect fit. You have the dream, like you were saying, my dream is to play, you know, um, whatever, professional mm -hmm. baseball. You found your avenue, right? Mm -hmm. The same thing with me. It was the same, it was the same exact concept. Of, I was in Eastern Michigan, you know, and the fit just wasn't right. Mm -hmm. It was the wrong culture. It was the wrong people. It's just the wrong fit for whatever reasons. And I knew that I had a dream of making it to the NFL. And I'll, I realized that this isn't going to get me there. So I have to make an adjustment. Right. Right. I made an adjustment. First team all Glayak, two awesome all-star yeah. games. Best year of football of my life. Mm -hmm. Right. I uncovered things in my talent and whatever that I never even knew I had. Mm -hmm. Right. And that got me to what we talked about earlier. Um, really, all three of us are able to literally sit here and say, we actually reached the pinnacle, the peak, the full potential of ourselves as an athlete. Yeah, and another thing to touch on that just really fast is, you know, just because, let's say, you don't give up the dream. If you want to be a D1 athlete, you don't have to give up the dream. It's, it's an opportunity. So we yes. talked about our, our full circle. Dave took advantage of an opportunity, Okay. You could start out as a D3 school. Trust sure. me, you just said if they if you have put enough stats up, they're going to find you. Yep. So just because you start out somewhere, you got an opportunity now. Now it's what you do with that opportunity. Yes. If you bat 400 at D3 and hit 20 bombs, or if you're a pitcher and you're, you're – you're, I mean, you can go and transfer. They're going to find you. They're going to find you. They're, they're going to say, you. hey, we like you over here. Why don't you come up? You know, so, so I, I think it's – you know, even in business, you know, we, we joke about people, I'm too qualified to get that job. I should make $100,000 a year. Well, hold on a minute. Just start. Mm -hmm. You might have to grind it out for a few years. Prove yourself. Absolutely. Right? And if you do, if you're that talented, they're going to find you. Yes. And I think too many parents, when you get that opportunity, seize it. Mm -hmm. Don't give, I mean, you can have, you don't have to sign the letter of intent yet, but if somebody's interested that's D3, talk to them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Talk to them. Absolutely. See what's the best fit. Have your kid research the school they want to graduate from. Forget about where do you want to play baseball at or football. At, where do you want to graduate from? Yes. What degree do you want? Does so, that so school to tie, fit? To tie that in from a mindset standpoint, it was I forget it was maybe two or three years ago. We were playing at, in a Notre Dame tournament, and I want I forget uh, the name of a small Goshen. I think it was a smaller school that we were playing at. Yeah. It's D three school. Of course, who doesn't want to play at Notre Dame, right? But as we're there, the the head coach from Goshen University, I think. Or college, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I don't recall, but um, but he's there at the game, mm -hmm. and the guys were kind of in the dumps. You know, they're kind of like, oh well, you know, I don't want to go to Goshen. You know, it's like, well, hold on a second. Do you look at most college coaches, and within three to five years, they're going from a D three school yeah. to D two to D one. Yep. They're looking to grow their career just like you are, but that coach is never going to forget the impact that you Correct. had on them right then and there. And in, in, and again, when you're 13, 14, 15 years old, you fast forward five years. That's your freshman year of college. That coach is more than likely not going to be at Goshen, Indiana. Again, no disrespect. They're probably going to be yeah. in something a little bit greater. But and he probably has a network of other coaches. Maybe? You'd think. Yeah, you'd think. <laughs> or, to say, or if you made yeah. an impression of him at, at Goshen, he might say, hey, yeah. I remember this kid. I'm going to give him the you D1. Take, yep. a yeah, yeah. You take a look. Yeah, take a look. Because they know those the different divisions. They know their realms and sure. everything. And, you know, they if they see a D1 type, you know, type, uh, you know, girl or guy, they make the right contact information. Oh, sure. They help each other out. And that's just kind of how it goes. Um, great. Awesome stuff, guys. I love it. Any last words for sports parenting, recruiting, anything like that? 
I'm good on my end. I mean, I, I'm Italian. I speak forever. So, I think if there's, any, you know, from a if, if, to tie it back to maybe the general topic from a parenting standpoint and everything, you know, I know we I know we went down a couple different paths as far as you know just the topics, but I wouldn't slow down the specialized training. Don't slow that stuff down. Yeah. Don't slow down the opportunities that you can continue to give your son or daughter in whatever the field might be. If anything, it's maybe you know ease up on some of the expectations. Keep yes. them very active. Keep yes. them very active in their pursuit of their goal and their dream because it has to be their goal and their dream. Otherwise, yeah, they'll, they'll, kind of, they'll kind of fall to the wayside. Mm -hmm. But again, from a personal standpoint, I never felt any pressure from my parents to perform, to play, whatever. And that was one of the biggest gifts I had. And it was one of the greatest things that I had. Yeah. Another coach who was coaching my oldest son at the time say, you know what the cool thing was? I asked him if he felt any pressure because, you know, I was blessed enough to play. You know, Cade's uncle was a professional for what 11 12 13 14 years of professional baseball so he kind of felt like he was had to he had to perform and he had to go at that level but his response to the coach was no i, I never felt any pressure i'm doing this because i want to and so that you know from a personal standpoint that's something that really yeah. sticks out to me as far as yeah. all right i'm sure he felt pressure at times don't get me wrong but you know he never really felt like he had to do this because his dad wanted him to or because his uncle did this yeah you know, you know and you you touched on the most negative moment of my sports career with me yelling at my son i never you came around he never, so, so he said something though i think and we're out of time but <laughs> just just to, just to wrap it up the proudest moment is my my son's last name is grassy so i think with the Grassi baseball that my grandpa started and, and the expectations of him to, yeah. to really be a baseball player and, and the amount of clutch hits he had or the amount of clutch he came through and, and to see the man he is today, knowing that he carried that pressure, and I don't yeah. care what anyone says, he had that pressure. Oh, yeah. That is probably the proudest moment because I can't tell you that if you would have asked him the same question, he would have said there was a ton of pressure, but he didn't buckle. Mm -hmm. And so to me, yeah. you know, I'm getting chills thinking about it. That was probably, that's probably the proudest moment. And I just thought about it just now. So mm -hmm. I can't sit here and say it, it was something off my forehead, yeah. but now I just want to end it with that same. I, I, I stepped back and didn't realize that I would say, just let your kid be their kid. Let it be yeah. their dream, not your dream. Mm -hmm. And just give them every support system you can. Like Dave mm -hmm. said, you know, invest in the training. If that's what they want, don't keep putting money in it if it's what you want. Make mm -hmm. sure it's what they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, I love it. That's yeah. cool. You basically just realized, like, the kid's been wearing the G on his shirt, on his helmet. <laughs> He's the only one who had Grassy on the front and, and the back. The back. For a yes. moment, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I just, like, Dave just was put talking. that together that there may have been some pressure there. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not and that I put it to pressure. I think I think I just realized that man. Inadvertently, a, he felt it. Inadvertently, he yeah. felt it. Yeah. yeah. But he never, he never wanted to have. A he always wanted his name. He liked it. He loved it. I mean, I got to coach him. He liked it. Yeah. yeah he yeah. had no problem with it. At yeah. All. No. No. Which was which it was which was very similar to me. That's why we always got along so good. Is that if you were to ask other people outside my circle when I was you know in that that player age was they probably would have told you that there's a ton of pressure on me. Mm -hmm. And I would have responded with, yeah, but it's 100% rooted in myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's Same. Yeah. Somebody planted a seed somewhere, whether it be dad or coach or mom or whatever, and I just took it and blew it up into the entire cornfield. Right, you know? right. And it was all, it was me. I put pressure on myself because, you know, somebody said I couldn't do something or something like that. And, and that's really what it comes down to. What this whole point of all three of us are saying is, Make sure it's theirs. Mm -hmm. You know, make sure it's theirs, not yours. And if I had to say one more thing, I would say to not neglect the mental aspect, 
right? You talked about expectations mm -hmm. and pressure, right? These are all, these are mental things, mm -hmm. right? The specialized training is great. All the support is there um, and, and keep that, but don't neglect the mental aspect. Yeah, phenomenal point, phenomenal um, point. Because without that, the physical just goes by the wayside immediately, right? right? If you don't have a mental approach, a mental game to your sport, then it will not serve you well in your physical attributes mm -hmm. and, and your talents. And that's really what we've been coming down to this whole time, you know, talking about character and expectations and pressure and all that stuff um, is really the, the goal of the whole thing. Right is building an actual contributing, tough, grit-filled human being that's ready to take on this freaking ugly world that we right. live in right. pretty much. So. That's what we got today, sports parents. I hope you found some little nuggets of gold in there. I know Mr. Dave Varis gave some excellent <laughs> one-liners. We'll make sure we put them in the show notes so oh, you guys you. have them. And just thanks a lot, guys, for coming on again. A blast, as always. And thank you very much, Dave, for, thank you. for joining thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And giving us, um, giving us that, uh, those nuggets of gold. I love it. So thanks a lot, guys. We'll be back with you soon. Probably the biggest question I get is how does the mental game affect physical performance? Well, research and stats show that less than 30% of performance results come from talent and the physical skill set. This means that 70% or more of an athlete's achievement is not visible. It lies directly between the ears. An athlete who neglects to work on their mental game is leaving a vast amount of potential on the table. It's kind of like going to a concert and getting a lawn seat instead of the VIP package with front row seats and a backstage pass. Which one would you prefer? That's what I thought, the VIP unforgettable experience. This is why I created Maynard Leadership and developed my mental game coaching programs. I provide athletes the VIP experience and walk with you every step of the way on your journey to the next level. Book a 15-minute strategy session now at www.mainerleadership.com and we can dive into your specific opportunity. I'm doing this because you might not know where to start all this mental game stuff. And secondly, because I was right where you are and I want to help. You can also get a free sports grit quiz with full in-depth results emailed to you by going to mainerleadership.com and clicking the link. Again, just go to MainerLeadership.com to book your free strategy session with me and to take the free Sports Grit quiz to get your results emailed to you. I challenge you now to push past average.